Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. It's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This This is is the Game game of Roses. Welcome to the Game game of Roses. There are actually four components of emotional intelligence. One is self-awareness. Two, self-management. Three, social awareness. And four, relationship management. I think you are deficient in three of those four. Welcome to Game of Roses, 
This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues, and we are here once again on a Tuesday evening, having just watched this week's big game, and we are going to break it down for you. All the best plays, all the best players, the errors. We had a couple of choices for Jorge Moreno, bystanders of the week, even inside the COVID bubble. We have not gotten multiple choices in the COVID era. I'm excited to see who you picked. Well, tonight was a very special episode for multiple reasons. We have the first stand-in for DLH. We have multiple Jorge Moreno bystanders of the week. We had the most PTCs played in the history of the game in terms of a single game. This shit was insane. A tidal wave of tragedy. Unbelievable. This shattered our PTC records. I couldn't believe it. I feel like we should play PTCs during this episode just because the fucking theme. Theme of the night. You want to start it off with a dual PTC? I used to have panic attacks. And I had cancer. Now, before we get to all of these other PTCs, (laughs) we are going to have to, of course, start at the beginning. And we're about to do that right now. And now... Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. Portion one. We pan over La Quinta. We get an Ed voiceover narration. There's going to be a battle royale. We see the pool where Claire Crawley got assaulted. Tasha brings out some scones to her dining room table. A very weird move. This fucking shot. This is how the episode begins. We are in Tasha's fucking quarters. The scone zone. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> scones. She's got a whole fucking table set up. There's a pitcher of orange juice, a pitcher of grapefruit juice, a pot of coffee. There's a bottle of champagne. And she brings out a tray of scones and cinnamon rolls and danishes as though she went to the store to get these and is setting the table for a friend to come over. It's like she's a little homemaker in this. None of, it's a lie. That's all a lie. The producers and the prop people, the caterers, whoever's doing all this, they have set all that shit up. And then the producers come to her and say, we need a shot of you carrying this tray of donuts into the table. They force her to do that as an acting bit. Devil's advocate. She ordered all of those scones and donuts room service. And she was eating them on her bed in her room. And then they were like, bring them out. You're going to have a guest. And she's like, okay, fine. I'll share. I don't think that is uh, the truth. Sure, it's possible. I didn't say it was a smart devil's advocate, but... They want to convey this weird image of her being a gracious host. Like a host? As though she's hosting anything in this entire show. It is all produced. All of the shots of Taisha alone, and I mean, we saw this with Claire too, but it's like she's bringing out the scones, she's journaling, and that's like... The personality we're allowed to see. This woman is on an emotional journey and she's ready to be a homemaker. Anyway, we get our second Council of Crowns this season. Earlier we had Deanna Pappas come crash Claire Crawley's uh, portion of the season. And now we have a Council of Crowns with 
Jojo comes in and she's there to give Tasha advice. Tasha says she's falling for multiple people, a blanket load of love level three to all players. And Jojo Jojo tells her not to overthink it. It's normal to have trouble. Jojo Jojo asks her what her biggest fear is. And she says, I've done this before. She doesn't want to get engaged just to do it. So we have now gotten a taste of Jojo, 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 Joe. But at this point, we don't know exactly what Jojo is there for. We just think it's a council of crowns. This is just a crown telling another crown. I've been where you've been. I've been in your shoes. You just got to go through it. That's all we think this is at this point. Have we ever seen anything less happening in a council of crowns? I feel like this conversation was nothing. And they didn't seem to know each other. I don't think they did know each other. And we're going to get to the failure of Jojo Jojo a little bit later. But I think for me... One of the big takeaways from tonight's episode is Jojo Jojo ain't ready for this. She cannot carry the weight of a show. I concur. Back in the common room, the guys, led by Bennett, discuss the escalating seriousness of the season as the numbers begin to dwindle. And then, finally, here are the shoulders on which our beloved game rests. DLH himself makes an appearance. He comes in, hey guys, how's it going? And he tells him there's going to be three dates this week. We are back to the real format of the game. DLH telling us what's what. By the way, he enters without knocking. He didn't give a fuck what Ed told him in their one-on-one time. But he tells the guys that there's going to be three dates this week, two one-on-ones and a group date. DLH says normally he'd be the one delivering the date card, but he's going to step away For a personal matter, he's going to take his son to college. This is on camera, in the document, an open admission that the whole situation surrounding him leaving, posting the Instagram thing, was a lie from the beginning. It wasn't a surprise that he left. It's in the fucking show. They shot it. And I don't think this is a pickup shot. I really analyzed this footage. I rewound it like three or four times. There's something weird about it, though, because we hear DLH talking and you just see shots of the guys nodding. And I don't know. I think it needs a closer speculation that we don't have the time to do tonight. But I don't trust it. (laughs) I know exactly what you're talking about. For probably two sentences worth of DLH's dialogue, it's played on the faces of the guys reacting. So mm-hmm. is that recorded later? Possibly. But you are on him when he says, take my son to college. You are on DLH's face when he says that line. That's there in okay. the record. Okay. I, can't, I don't have 100% certainty that he was in that room when he said it, or that they were in that room. Or that anyone else was there. But right. it looks like that is the case. I really did scrutinize it because as soon as I saw this, I was like, wait a minute, are they fucking with us? I really don't believe they are. I think this is part of it. I think they are just, you know, the guys all had to quarantine for whatever, two weeks before, but I think everybody else is doing these little five-day quarantine multiple test things, Yeah, and I think that's probably what DLH did when he gets back. Dark Lord Harrison introduces JoJo JoJo. 
She comes in and she's like, I've been in your shoes. I've been in Tasha's shoes. There's ups and there's downs. And she presents the date card, her big moment. And then just before she leaves, you're sitting there, you're watching and you're like, okay, this is going to be her job now. She's going to perform the functions of DLH, the ceremonial handings of cards. And I'm sure she'll run the rose ceremony next week. You're wondering, can she handle it? Can she be okay with this? And you get your answer almost immediately. No. As soon as she puts the date card down, she says, well, I can't wait to get to know you guys better. She reverts back (laughs) into the role of a bachelorette in that situation. The last time she was sitting in front of a group of guys like this on this show, she was the bachelorette. And that's what the bachelorette says. Can't wait to get to know you guys better. DLH never says that shit. He doesn't give a fuck about them. He's not looking to get to know them, nor is JoJoJoJoJoJoJoJo ever going to get to know them. It's just her default. She's not a host. one of them comes to her door at 2 a.m., Ed does another failed knock-knock, ends up at JoJo's room. Please let that happen. But (laughs) the date card is the first one-on-one date, the one-on-one A, and it reads, I'm looking for a man I can picture a future with. Zach C. is the recipient of the first one-on-one this week. He loads love level one. He says, I definitely have incredibly strong feelings for Tasha." But he hints that there's a perhaps a darkness to come. He says his life, it's not this straight, narrow kind of life that I've lived. God, he undersells this so beautifully here because what he's about to do, what he's referring to, the <laughs> foreshadowing that he is setting up here, ultimately pays the off. Krieg. It's something we've never seen before, and we will get to it, <laughs> rest assured. But they go on this date. It's an artistic endeavor photo shoot date that results in a private Ferris wheel later. In the day portion, they encounter a photo shoot. It's all set up. There's lights, there's backdrops, there's a wedding cake, and there's a photographer. The photographer is named Franco LaCosta. He's waiting for them. He says this is going to be a fantasy wedding photo shoot. And you know, Franco, he looks familiar to me. I've seen that guy Mm -hmm. somewhere before. You know, I've seen a guy just like that wearing shorts before, taking photos of people in wedding outfits before. Where did I see that? It was season 21, Nick Viala's Bachelor, a group date on which Corinne Olympios famously performed a voluntary nudity play that required Nick Viala to cup her breasts in front of all of the other players. Franco LaCosta was the wedding photographer for that exact date. Iconic. And now he's recalled to perform the same function on a strange one-on-one date. The tone is not quite the same. Nonetheless, Franco LaCosta was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. I don't know that we've ever seen a bystander come back to perform a second tour. Jorge Moreno. Of course, Jorge Moreno, but he transcends. Jorge Moreno is something else. (laughs) Jorge Moreno is, at this point, a celebrity within the world. Fair. (laughs) There's probably, we haven't seen any musical guests reprised. If anyone out there knows if there have been any Jorge Moreno bystanders of the week that have reprised their roles, <laughs> please let us know. But to my knowledge... For all those keeping these records. <laughs> <laughs> Look, to my knowledge, Franco LaCosta is the first. And, you know, he comes from 
as we said in the Hyperbinge, my favorite season, Nick Vile's season. So he carries with him that rich legacy of everything that he did on that season, and he's bringing it now into this kind of doled down, shittier version in La Quinta, but still he's there, still he's in his shorts. Right. We clarified this <laughs> on our live, but I feel like we should clarify it again. On our Patreon Hyperbinge breakdown episode, we talked about who our favorite Bachelor was, and I said Charlie O'Connell, and you said Nick Vial, and you meant not that he was your favorite Bachelor, but that his season was your favorite season. So we were, yes. were answering different questions. Yeah, my apologies. Just a correction. I think his season was probably my favorite as well. Extremely entertaining. Back on this date, Tasha is playing up this. She clearly doesn't want to do the wedding photo shoot. She's having some PTSD to how she got married before. It's kind of a subtle IFI. Zach's doing some some wordplay here. Beautiful doesn't begin to describe it. There's another word that will be created to describe her. <laughs> Jason already created it. Smoke show. Just for a second. <laughs> let's talk about this Tasha thing where she's having reservations about wearing the wedding dress because she had been married, gotten divorced, etc. Yeah. This is an act. 100% scripted. She knew what this date was going to be. She could have vetoed it. The producers tell her this is going to be the storyline. You're going to have to overcome it. That's what will bond you to Zach. This is all acting. There was so much acting in this episode. I feel like I agree with you. I don't think that her divorce holds that much weight in her mind. And I think she is playing it up for this. I also feel like she's probably done wedding photo shoots. She is an Instagram model. This is kind of her job. She's the lead of a show that has a logo that has a giant diamond wedding ring flying into the O of Bachelorette every five seconds on the fucking screen. It's like she's on a reality show to get married. And this is what she has trouble like putting on a wedding dress for one of the dates on the thing. Come on. It's completely acted because there was no drama. The producers are having real trouble this season figuring out how to make anything interesting in this La Quinta slash the season got cut in half type thing. They don't really know what they're doing. It was much less interesting than the last time we saw Franco LaCosta. That is to be sure. By the way, she she's like, are we sure are we sure we have to do a veil? Doesn't want to do the veil. Zach plays a nice little 4TRR touch here. I don't want you to do anything you don't want to do. Franco does though, and he shoves the veil on her. <laughs> Franco don't give a shit. Franco photographed Corinna Olympios naked. Topless. Half naked. We got to be clear about the level of VNP here. Voluntary nudity play. I agree, because later on, we're going to get one that was full nude, and we will get to that. But at the rest of this date, we get this montage of Zach and Tasha in various outfits, different jackets, different dresses. They're popping a bottle of champagne, jumping on a trampoline inexplicably. We get these freeze frame blurred photos that simulate the pictures he's actually taking, but we never see the real pictures. They're just taking freeze frames of the video that they're shooting and then putting a filter on it. So the pictures he's taking are never even used in the date. He's not actually taking pictures. <laughs> Release the photos. They're probably on their Instagram. Uh, they do a little picnic. Tasha tells her PTC about how she was divorced. Wasn't really my first time wearing a wedding dress. And Zach starts a train here, a PTC train. He says, oh, I was married before also for like a year. 
Tasha likes this parallel PTC as she did with Brendan. Tasha loads love level one with Zach. I feel so good about Zach. And they make out. But this was just the the front part of a train. The engineering console. Then night falls and we get the second half of this one-on-one date. We know he's scratching at something. I was divorced too. He said that in the day. Remember that. They come to a table in the middle of the resort. It's been beautifully lit. Deep purples and blues set the tone for what will be an historic moment. Zack delivers one of the most beautiful PTCs in the game's rich history. This is not simply a PTC. This is a PTC in five distinct acts. (laughs) Act one. He tells her in college... He found out he had a brain tumor and received surgery the next morning. Act 2. At age 23, he becomes involved with painkillers and partying. Act 3. He gets married and is selfish in the relationship and begins hanging out with sketchy people. It wasn't pretty, he says. Act 4. He gets arrested, gets a DUI, his wife leaves him, and he becomes hopeless, suicidal, in fact, and he steals his father's checks. Act five, he attempts to cash these checks. The teller at the bank calls his father. His father gets him and puts him in rehab, and now he is on the board of that rehab. It was a novel. It was a feature film. The levels of this PTC knew no bounds. It was a Divorce PTC, an addiction PTC, life-threatening illness PTC, criminal PTC. (laughs) It just had so many parts to it. All Tasha could do at the end was say, that's so cool. That was her reaction to it. (laughs) That was the literal (laughs) sentence she said. Because what can you say to what he's just done? We've never seen a PTC this fucking heavy with this many moving parts ever in the history of the game we've seen a triple ptc victoria p on pp's season said that she was homeless she raised her siblings and her mom was addicted to drugs but a five six parter i mean my reaction was not cool my reaction was holy fucking shit this is the most intense ptc i've ever heard it's like 10 lifetimes of PTCs. The PTC itself, just to reveal it, took about two minutes of screen time of just him speaking about tragedies. Usually a PTC is one or two sentences, and then you follow it up with a one or two sentences about how it changed you, what you learned from it, and that's it. You get in, you get out. I've had trauma. I learned from it. Now I can move on. I'm a better person. This shit was just like, you're not getting out of this. You need to hear the next piece of this tragedy and the next and the next and the next and it was obviously incredibly effective but just as Tasha reacts saying that's so cool we then cut back to the common room where all the guys are sitting around and this is a very common technique in the editing while you're on a one-on-one date or a group date very often they will cut in the middle back to where the rest of the players are to see a new date card come in and get the reaction to it so the guys are in the common room 
they start to already load this idea that Bennett and Noah are rivals. They're talking about that as there's a knock at the door. The date card comes. It is a group date. The card reads, express yourself. It's going to be Spencer, Ivan, Ed, Blake, Brendan, Riley, Damar, Bennett, Ben, and Noah, which means easy by default is going to get our one-on-one B this week. Then back on the one-on-one A, Zach, for his incredible PTC, is given the one-on-one A rose, a nice zero pointer for him. We're not going to be able to tabulate rose quotients this season, I don't think, because the season was fractured and it resets. I don't know if anybody's going to get five roses, maybe the final player. But Zach gets a kiss and Tasha says she has a surprise for him. She takes him to a lever in the shadows. They pull it and a miniature Ferris wheel lights up. It's powered by PTCs. <laughs> I flash back to uh, Ashley Hebert's first one-on-one with Brad Womack on uh, season 15, where they did the exact same thing. They have this lever and they light up this entire fairgrounds and go to this fucking play all these carnival games, go on rides. Here you just get this fucking little tiny looking toe wheel that we see in the tag that Tasha actually hates. <laughs> uh, Tasha love level ones. Zach here. She says, I literally have butterflies right now and they make out on the Ferris wheel. Oh no, a pretty good one-on-one A for Zach. And again, his PTC was not my play of the game, but it was a close fucking contender. Because again, yeah. it's historic. We've never... A fucking quintuple PTC? And all of the T's are related to one another. They, in fact, are linked causally to one another. I had a brain tumor, which got me addicted to drugs, which had me hanging out with bad people, which led to a divorce, which led to me stealing my dad's check, which led to rehab. It's just... Oh, God. It's so fucking strong. The best part of this PTC was how he ended it. And he says, like, he's now on the board of that rehab. He calls it his baby. And it's kind of like a redemption thing. Because someone lays all that shit on you. You're like, okay, that's a lot of baggage. But he's like, look, it's come around. It's actually become this beautiful thing. So I'm like, I don't know if he can go all the way. But I can see him making it to hometowns at this point. Just on the strength of that PTC alone, I agree with you. But Taisha, like, says to him that she usually dates younger men, and I don't see her going against type for who she ultimately winds up with, but we'll see. And then the next day, we have our group date. Taisha meets all the guys outside in the 120-degree blazing sun of La Quinta, and she ushers the guys into La Quinta Conference Room C. (laughs) there they see two naked people standing together and a woman is drawing them on a piece of paper on a little easel the woman is natalia taisha says i thought it would be really fun for us to use our creativity all the guys are freaking out that they're gonna have to get naked again blake moines has been through the fucking ringer says this is gonna be the third time i'm gonna get naked on this journey um, Tasha says, I brought in Natalia to help us with creative expression. And Natalia does help them. And that's why she was my. Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. She guides them through all of these various art activities. And later, I had a little one-on-one time with Tasha. Draws out the tears. 
wonderfully played Natalia. The first artistic expression that they do is they do a drawing of the two nude figures. Natalia tells Spencer, I love that you made sure the nipples were in there. They do little blackout squares on all the pictures of the genitals, which I thought was hilarious. Ed focuses on the ferns. It's worth noting, in my opinion as well, that this is a charcoal rendering on paper. At each step of this date, they use a different artistic medium. So in the beginning, charcoal on paper. And when this first starts, there is an extremely good bit of play by Bennett. Noah takes the seat immediately next to Tasha. They're going to be drawing side by side at a table. And Bennett just fucking muscles him out. He says, no, actually, that was my seat. I'm supposed to be sitting there. And Noah's like, I don't think that's how this goes. And he's like, no, it is how it goes. And Noah gets up and gives him the fucking chair. It was just pure dominance. A pure fucking alpha male move. That's my chair. Get the fuck out of it. And he obeys. It was, I mean, Tasha had been like, this is my chair. So he kind of was piggybacking off of that, like, oh, the producers have set it up or something, and it was a very smart play. Not a smart play by Bennett. In the second round of art, they are all blindfolded, and they are supposed to make something out of clay without looking at it. And Bennett performs a non-consensual kiss with Tasha. Not, okay, I hate it. Yes, I know we've seen it on our show. Savannah did it in her limo exit with PP. It is extremely problematic. It is simply part of the game at this point still. Will it ever change? Who knows? But the second half, they are blindfolded. They are making things with clay. Spencer makes a pepperoni pizza. Ben <laughs> makes an infinity sign. Brendan makes what he calls a brownie. It looks like it's in the shape of a heart. And Blake, of course, makes. A penis. Noah also makes a small place setting, and Bennett makes an entire miniature city of real estate that he claims he will own if he and Tasha are together. My winner of the clay pieces was, of course, Blake. And you'll see why later, but this is a brilliant move. Anytime you're forced to do some kind of artistic endeavor, you want to make the thing that stands out. You just want to be different from everyone else, either in a funny way, or if you're really good at something, be stand out in a good way. In this case, I mean, it's not highbrow for sure. Blake takes the easy road here, but it's a good move overall because it's going to get screen time. And we see later it even gets him more screen time. None of the other guys' art pieces are getting talked about. And later Blake gets a whole segment about it. So for me, he won the clay modeling piece of this day. (laughs) 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 uh they're continuing to play up this rivalry between noah and bennett noah spells out privilege in his itm and the next portion of art they do is sort of free form natalia says they have to do a self-portrait And she sets up here, it's going to be a play for time. Whoever opens up the most here gets extra time with Tasha. And this is where we really see, I believe, true attempts at art. The other shit was kind of jokey. You're drawing naked people, of course. You're going to make a fucking dick out of some clay. All these things are like we're trying to be funny. In these moments, though, because... Your Jorge Moreno bystander of the week, Natalia, tells them you have to open up. They are taking this shit seriously. And so whatever 
pieces of art they produce are genuine attempts at real art here. And what we see is a smorgasbord. Noah has a kind of weird jagged yin-yang that I think in both light and dark contain words that describe his good and bad qualities. Brendan takes a picture frame, portrait style, and then turns it sideways to make room for his future mate and says his self-portrait can't be complete unless there's someone else in it. Bennett does a needlepoint, and he uses the opportunity to say, I like doing hard things. And that refutes Noah's earlier claim that he is privileged. Ivan has a puzzle missing a piece, and he PTCs his dad having cancer and having a heart attack. And he says his biggest fear is that his dad won't get to see the man he created. And the last piece of this puzzle is a wife and kids and a possible future. And he has Tasha come up and put that piece in the middle, which was a great bit Amazing. of small play. You love that audience participation. Blake Moines <laughs> changes up his art style, does a turtle dove, one of the few monogamous animals, and they travel far to find their pair. He plays a PTC that he grew up in a failed household, saw a lot of cops at his house, and so he's decided he's going to be patient as long as he needs to find that true original family that he never had. Not only is this a man who just literally made a dick, he is now talking about <laughs> monogamy and turtle doves, and he has played the third PTC of this game. No, we've had more. Bennett used to be poor. Ivan's father's medical stuff. Zach C. Is a blitzkrieg. Shit. Four PTCs already at the end of this picture challenge. Fuck. That's crazy. But we're not done. I mean, we're not even at the end. Riley then goes on about how several years ago he got a phone call that it was his mom and he hadn't talked to her in years. And she asked him what keeps him going. He said, I daydream about a time when it's me in a small, cozy house full of love with my wife and daughter enjoying quality time. And she's his mom was like, what kid in their early 20s does that? And I told her, a kid who hasn't had it before. PTC number five. We just have never seen a single game contain this much tragedy. No. And there's more to come. A great group date, by the way. <laughs> this was one of the best group dates I have ever seen. Because it that thing where Natalia tells them you have to open up. It's basically saying you guys all have to tell your PTC right now without overtly yeah. stating it. And I loved it. It was so fucking dramatic. It's like, who can top that? Who can top that? And then Ben comes up next and he holds up his painting. It's a painting of his face with some hearts around it. And he is about to speak and then he leaves because he says he forgot something and he's going to be right back. And everybody's wondering, where the fuck did he go? The guys are like, what's going on here? He shows back up a minute or two later wearing nothing but a robe. And he says it's hard for him to express his emotions but he's going to do it. He takes his fucking robe off and he's standing before everyone completely naked. And he says, I'm going to give myself to you fully, my body and what's inside it as well. This is a voluntary full nudity play. And it was my play, 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 play of the game. What he does here is fucking incredible. Voluntary nudity very usually 
comes in a situation where it's a group date and all the players are like at the beach or a pool. They're already kind of in bikinis and somebody takes their bikini top off. Something of this nature. Skinny dipping. This motherfucker has no cause to be nude in this. Everyone else is clothed. They are showing portraits they have drawn of themselves. And he walks in and just whips his dick out. And he does it in a way that isn't funny. It actually works. She actually feels like he's being fucking vulnerable. It works. That's the amazing thing to me about it. He repeats her line back to her. This is me showing up for you as myself. And of course, all of these guys are fucking built like bodybuilders and shit. So that doesn't hurt. Obviously, Tasha likes seeing him nude. But it was just an astounding play because it was so out of the norm, so uncalled for. There was nothing hinting to him, ah, you should do a voluntary nudity play here. He had to design this. The hint was the nude models. Maybe. That puts a little inkling of it in the mind. But nobody's thinking to take off their clothes. Maybe there's bathrobes around. But I mean, he had to orchestrate this. He had to think about, I'm going to do this painting. I'm going to stand up here and pretend like, okay, here's my painting. Wait a second. I forgot something. And then he's going to go put on the fucking robe and disrobe. It was a brilliant fucking play. And we obviously see it pay off later for him. Ben's story this whole season has kind of been, he's a little too shy. He turtled in an episode and didn't get to talk to her one night. She got pissed at him. He had to apologize. I will be there. I will show up for you. And now he's doing it in a way that is just fucking so overt, so brazen with this play. I just don't know where he goes from here, but this was easily, for me, the single best play of the night, my play of the game. Hats off to you, Ben. He also, by the way, says this experience is about taking your walls down. He's playing a lot of walls. It was not my play of the game, but it was incredibly strong. And he might have done my play of the game later. A double play of the game recipient? After this voluntary nudity play, Tasha is so affected she goes into the corner and starts crying. And the art lady Natalia comes to console her. <laughs> Tasha says, this is what happens when you start dating real men. Is it? <laughs> Some of them make clay penises and others disrobe in front of you. I guess I haven't dated real men. <laughs> Got no clay penises cringled to me yet. But then Tasha kind of gives them a little reward and tells them all that she's the luckiest girl in the world for all of them being honest and vulnerable. And they all are going to win this play for time. She's going to hang out with everybody that night. And I'm left from this date thinking really only one thing. I need every piece of art generated for the pit gallery. <laughs> I really wanted someone to pull a crystal when she did this and be like, you lied to us. You said someone would win. (laughs) I wasted my PTC on this group date portion. (laughs) That was in Ari Lyandex season, bowling group date. We get to the after party of the group date. Tasia does another fucking toast to opening up. It's like, okay. We get it. (laughs) Riley performs a first responder role here. He has loaded some walls. He goes deeper on his PTC. He says that his dad lied about his mom when he was growing up. He does another. Riley's very good at these kiss lead-in lines. He does, you're lovely, you're beautiful, you're amazing. Make out. 
Ivan gets a little one-on-one time. He keeps it light. We barely see any of it. Then Brendan gets some one-on-one time. She compliments him on his picture frame self-portrait and says literally this to him. When I saw that, it was game over. As though he was the true winner of the date. Game of Roses is sponsored by BetterHelp. Clues. Uh, We all carry around different stressors, big and small. And if you keep them all bottled up, it can affect you negatively. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. You might be taking care of your physical body, but are you taking care of that beautiful mind, Clues? Yes. I have benefited from therapy greatly in the past. Uh, It has helped me get through stressful experiences, manage boundaries, learn coping skills. You know, the... The whole premise of life is is kind of a, a, it's a lot to undertake, and therapy can help with that. Well, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do to get started is fill out a brief questionnaire, then you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game of Roses today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Game of Roses. Clues, mm-hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find Ooh. the perfect t-shirt. Yeah. Um, because it's spring. I'm ready to get out there. I'm ready to peacock. Luckily, the perfect t-shirt does exist, and you can find it at Skims. From cropped silhouettes to long-sleeve layering tees, there's a style for everyone. You guys know how excited I was that Skims became one of our sponsors for this podcast. They have great basics and foundations. I got the boyfriend t-shirt in onyx. That's kind of a dark black color and the cotton jersey long sleeve t-shirt in kyanite which is kind of like a blue green and they're both so comfortable it's basically like you are wearing nothing great for free spirit types well for all the free spirits out there right now you can shop the skims t-shirt shop at skims.com now available in sizes xxs through 4x if you haven't yet be sure to let them know we sent you after you place your order select podcasts in the survey and select our show in the drop down menu that follows again that's skims clues it is springtime it is the off season it is gore girl summer the weather's getting warmer thank dark lord palmer and it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and cowls, and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul, get those staple pieces, and I found quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces keeping me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I got the cotton modal scoop neck tee. It is so cute. It is literally the first thing I reach for in my dresser when all my clothes are washed. You know those special items. If you are not like Clues, who only wears one outfit. I'm Quince head to toe at this point. I'm a Quince boy. <gasps> I'm a source boy, Quince boy. Let's you got no go. idea. I'm wearing Quince t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince long sleeve t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince sweaters, Quince pants. 
I'm quinced. <laughs> Just call me quinced. King Quinces. Okay. They call me. I love quince. Okay, quince. Uh, get warm weather ready with quince. Be a quince king yourself or quince queen. Go to quince.com slash roses for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash roses to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash roses. And of course, he gets a kiss for his troubles. He also does a little subtle move here, which is they're sitting together. He scoots in closer to her, which is what we were talking about with the body language. You never want to have your one-on-one time where you're far apart from each other. You want to be inches away from kissing throughout your whole conversation. And then we cut back to the common room. Once again, as we do in every date, you're always going to cut back to see the new date card coming in. And we see Easy get his date card. It's the one-on-one B for this evening. And the card reads, I hope you aren't scared of falling in love. And we know that this is teasing this stupid fucking haunted house bullshit that we're going to have to sit through. Sorry, (laughs) I have strong reactions to haunted houses. (laughs) You really hate haunted houses. They're so absurd. (laughs) It's very funny. The thing that I really don't like about the show is when you can tell people are acting. And the haunted house date requires acting on top of acting. Not only do they have to act like they give a shit about each other, like they're falling in love, but they also have to act like ghosts are real it's too much for me i can take one layer of acting not two (laughs) two layers of acting too much one layer of acting almost too much but then we cut back to the after party and we get a little exchange between noah and bennett that didn't actually happen here it's them doing jabs back and forth half of the dialogue in this exchange is played of or off face when you don't see the person saying something, they didn't say it in that moment. They're taking it from ITMs. They're taking it from other footage they have. I like off face. Thank you. The producers here are making the rivalry more extreme through frankenbiting, and they do this time and time again. When they don't have drama, the producers already know they're going to put Noah and Bennett on a two-on-one date. So now they have to give us, the audience a reason to want that to happen. It can't just come out of nowhere. So they're going to trump up every possible interaction they can between them. And here they do that. What comes next? It's one-on-one time with our boy, Ben. He's clothed now. It's the second (laughs) part of the date. But the nudity, it comes through emotionally. (laughs) He tells Taysha, I appreciate today. I don't often get to be vulnerable. He says, I'm weirdly uncomfortable playing these walls. He says, I haven't felt a feeling like this at all ever in my life. Love level one. And then he says, the reason I'm in fitness and nutrition, I had an eating disorder for 15 years I had found out when I was younger that girls don't like a fat kid, so he had bulimia for 10 years in his 20s. The only person that knows is my sister, an exclusive PTC. And this eating disorder PTC was my... Play, 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 play of the game. plays that Ben does in this episode were incredible. I knew he had it in him, but that he really pulled it out this week. 
everybody, everybody spewed their PTCs in portion one of this group date. He knew to save the meat of his for the nighttime. He didn't need it. He lets everyone waste their PTCs on not getting roses. He saves his. He gets a kiss. And he ends up getting rewarded with the group date rose. He had the PTC to trump every other player's PTC in this group date. It's like he was in the PTC games and he was the champion. He had the ultimate PTC and he beat them all. And Tasha says, I'm proud of you. And I'm proud of him too. I agree with you. This was another contender for my play of the game as well. And I think both of our play of game choices here kind of worked in conjunction with one another. Because he was Mm -hmm. in this PTC festival earlier, I think he knew I can't do my PTC right here. It's going to get lost in the shuffle. Instead, I got to do something that's an action. These guys are using words. I'm going to use an action. And I have to do one that is so bold it cannot be ignored. Voluntary full nudity. Here's my dick. Holy (laughs) shit. You're right. What were these other guys talking about? Somebody didn't have a mom. Somebody didn't have a dad. I don't know. This guy's fucking naked. So already he kind of has wiped her mind of the PTCs because it's so shocking to see that. She cries. Exactly. Moves her to fucking tears. And now at the after party, nobody else can do a PTC. They've expended it. He put up his voluntary nudity play to erase the validity of it, basically, the impact of those things. And now he's got a private audience. He's the only one who's going to play a PTC. It almost doesn't even matter what it is. But it turns out it's actually a very good one. It is very vulnerable to have to tell this thing that was something you struggle with your entire fucking life, pretty much, you know? It really, tonight, he was just an outstanding player. It's also like a unique PTC for this show. Eating disorders, I feel like, are generally associated with women and like men revealing them. It's like even more uh, emotionally vulnerable. But yeah, he he fucking showed up for Tasha here. He showed up for me. I just want him to do well because Clue said he wouldn't, and I said he would. I think he's going to though. I've I changed my mind almost immediately. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he's clearly a good player. What he did tonight was like that's some high level shit to be able to take a room full of motherfuckers PTCing and just like hose it down. Nah, fuck all this shit. Let me show you how this is done. Here's my dick. dick. And now later, I'm going to do a PTC that's going to make her forget about all of yours. And he fucking does it. The timing of these two plays, and that voluntary nudity play too, is something that's not in a usual toolkit. You have to really manufacture that. You have to think of that. You have to devise that. It's not just like, let's see whose PTC is better. Mm -hmm. He's like, fuck, all of our PTCs are roughly similar in terms of impact. Nobody could possibly know what Zach C did on his day. <laughs> that is a different type of PTC. Yeah. <laughs> what if Zach C had done that on this art date? He's like, and then this happened, and then this happened? He's got five <laughs> portraits for each act of his PTC. He just painted a photo of the check. <laughs> but I really think what Ben did, it takes a high degree of skill to do it because it requires perfect timing. It's that idea to hold your PTC off until it can be better Mm -hmm. used. Because I think a lot of people are like, oh, fuck it, this is the time I got to do my PTC, and you just fucking blow through it. And sometimes it works because you're on a one-on-one date, or maybe you're on a group date when nobody else played theirs, but he knew to hold his back until the after party. That is some high, high high-level shit. So I agree with you. He's a much better player than I gave him initial credit for, and we'll see where he winds up. Interesting little tidbit here. Ivan calls the art portion 
the first portion, which is a term we have been using to refer to the time in between commercials on our, in our beloved game. <laughs> I'm just saying, maybe Ivan's in the pit. Mm. It's group date rose reward time. The nominees are Riley for peeling back layers, Brendan for a picture is worth a thousand words, and Ben for you showed up and I see you and I appreciated it. Group date rose to Ben. And then uh, Tasha, before leaving the after party, now that her job is done, handing out the GDR, she calls out Noah and Bennett. And she says, I know there's something going on with you two, and I'm going to get to the bottom of it one way or another. Excuse me? <laughs> is that exactly what the producers <laughs> wrote on a script for you? I mean, what the fuck is this? Yes. She's acting 100% here. There's absolutely no way she would say this in any possible way, and then leave. If she really had a problem with them, she would take them both aside right there and have that conversation. Instead, the producers have told her, hey, we've been drumming up. I don't know how much they tell her, but they at the very least told her, (laughs) you have to say this. And she's like, yes, sir. Yeah. No, she needs to drop the bomb so they can stew in it. Bennett says to Noah, what, you don't like me calling you young Noah? And he's like, it's simply true. That's simply a correct statement. You are young, Noah. Bennett did not come off good in this episode. Whatever jovial comedy we might have enjoyed (laughs) from him in the past is dried up and blown away tonight. I mean, I have not been into his smugness. And the non-consensual kiss really put the nail in the coffin for me today. But at the end of that after party, we go to a commercial. When we come back, we see... The payoff of Blake's clay penis. <laughs> this is why it was a good move. There's maybe a one, one and a half minute long clip of Spencer and Noah laughing with him in the common room as they discuss the size of the clay penis. Whenever you say that, I'm thinking of Tina Panis. <laughs> <laughs> if he would have made a, st- a little statue of <laughs> Tina Fabulous, I would have shit my fucking pants. That is the move. That is the move. Oh, God, God damn it, that would have yeah. been great. Tina Panis was a player in season three. But you might know her as Tina Fabulous, if you've even seen that season, which probably most of you haven't. We discuss Tina Fabulous extensively in our Hyper Binge episode <laughs> on our Patreon. She was one of the most influential figures in the history of the game. But Blake is regretting his clay panis. <laughs> and then we see Easy outside near the pool doing some calisthenics as he is preparing for his one-on-one B. We see Tasha pondering with a cup of coffee, and she hopes that they can have a breakthrough. She, of course, is setting up this producer line again to be like, this is the dramatic thing you're looking for on this date. Will we have a breakthrough? Night falls, and Tasha emerges, leaving her room and walking into the dark shadows of La Quinta. She does some Blair Witch-style night vision selfie footage as Easy walks the grounds, and she... Sneaks up behind him with a flashlight and supposedly scares him and he screams. All acting. None of this is real. Easy talks about his strategy in this portion. He says, I was trying to be Tasha's rock. He is not a rock. He is screaming. And then Tasha, of course, explains that La Quinta is haunted. And we did do a little research and apparently this is an actual urban legend. That there are some ghosts roaming the ground. So this is not a thing that the producers just completely manufactured. Nonetheless, it is untrue. And not entertaining to watch. Tasha pulls out a thermometer, not a thermometer, but a thermometer, and she says that it can detect ghost heat, and she also has a book 
about the haunting of William Morgan, who met Carol Eugene and had their first kid and then died shortly after along with the child, and he went mad on the grounds of La Quinta, and they're supposedly going to now go hunt for this ghost. They go into some of the casitas. They've been emptied. One of them has a doll in a chair. There's a letter from this guy there. Do you think there's a museum for this that they took all these from, or they're just completely made up? A PA wrote that letter. I just don't care. The haunted dates to me are the worst. They did one on Nick Vile's season as well when they all went to New Orleans. Because the players are forced into this higher level of acting. Again, it's like I'm into watching them act like they like each other. That's an interesting game. (laughs) Seeing them acting like ghosts are real and like they're scared of a dumb doll sitting in a chair at a fucking resort in Palm Springs. It's just so stupid. I don't know who's entertained by this. Not me. And on top of that, because all they're doing is creeping around and screaming, you don't get any conversations. There's no opportunity for play on a date like this because you have to be so involved in acting like you're scared and are there ghosts and shit like that, that there's just no opportunity to do anything interesting. These dates should be removed from the game. That's why I kind of liked them when we were doing the hyper binge because I was like, oh, there's not going to be any data on this part. (laughs) Yeah, you get a break from taking the notes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and Easy could have done with some conversation during the first portion because what he's about to do next, oof. As far as I'm concerned, if you're on a date and it turns out to be a haunted date, you refuse at all costs or at the very least have no reaction whatsoever. Don't scream. Don't pretend to be scared. Walk through the rooms and be like, where's the light switch? I guess the lights don't work in here. And then when they're like, oh my God, there's a doll. Did you hear that noise? Just be like, yeah, that's the producers. The producers are making that noise. And that's it. That's all you have to do. Give them that. I think you play a ghost PTC. You say, actually, my whole family was killed by ghosts. I would prefer to not do this date. That's absolutely brilliant. (laughs) Thank you. At the dinner portion, Easy loads Love Level 3 out of fucking nowhere. He's really trying hard to recreate the Dale Moss strategy of love at first sight, pound it all the way, but he is not Dale Moss. He's not Dale Moss. He's not doing the strategy right. It's like you don't go LL3, and he doesn't even say L 3 right. He says, I really feel like... I'm falling in love with you. If you're going to say I'm falling in love with you, say I'm falling in love with you. Hit LL3. Don't tiptoe up to it like this. And as you're saying, he's not Dale Moss. He watched the strategy work for Dale Moss, and then he did kind of a 75% version of it. Well, Dale Moss's strategy is 110%. You don't get the result by doing 75% of it. It was just shitty top to bottom. Of course, she dismisses him after she picks up the rose and he thinks he's going to get it. And then she's like... And I can't give it to you. Sorry about that. By the way, he says, I honestly feel like I'm falling in love with you. Tasha is completely stone-faced. Easy says, I can't lie about it. There is no time. There is no rules. There is no boundaries. And I was like, yikes. Don't like this line. He says, you feel it in your bones. And this zero confidence love level raise was my... Error, 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 error of the game. It's one of the only errors that you can pick out in this episode because we don't get fucking rose ceremony. 
but it was a terrible, terrible play. He's his first audience game is so off. He's not reading Tasha at all. She's like, "What? You're in love with me? You're falling in love with me?" And he might have stuck around if he hadn't gone so whole hog. We saw um, Danielle Lombard did a love level three on her one-on-one date with Nick Vial, I remember, and that that caused a forced ex- execution as well. Yeah, sometimes if you do it prematurely, they're forced to be like, we're not on the same page. Bye. And Tasha probably has to eliminate like 10 of the 12 guys because we're <laughs> fucking close to Matt James this season. Easy's misplayed LL3 was also my... Error, 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 error of the game. Completely agree with you. I think he could have floated through this. He could have stayed another week, but he gave her a reason. This is one of the fundamental rules of our beloved game. You don't give the lead a reason. The lead's primary job, the action they will perform more times than any other over the course of a season, is sending someone home. They are only looking for reasons to do it and come away clean. And those reasons can be you get in a fight with somebody. Those reasons can be you didn't show up or you did something that they didn't like. And those reasons certainly can be, as we've just seen, you raise your love level too fast and you allow them to use that as an excuse. And here, Easy had no real reason to raise it. And he didn't raise it correctly, like we're saying. He just did this so bad. And he was kind of a charming, funny guy, despite the sexual assault allegations that are still out there in the world that are completely <laughs> unaddressed by the show, the network, or anyone else. It was just a very bad play, top to bottom, and he suffered the consequences. He also doesn't do a great exit either. He's like, Tasha, is this real? Are you sure? Like, questioning her decisions. Tasha does cry after it. She does try to say it's a benevolent execution, that she's saving him from rose ceremony. Yeah, I felt relief when he went home because I was like, the sexual assault allegations. I'm like, I don't want to see Tasha fall in love with him. And Easy cries in the car too, pulls out those tears. What just happened? And then the next morning, all the guys are eating breakfast, shirtless, discussing the shock of Easy's dismissal. And Tasha ponders and ITMs about Bennett and Noah's drama affecting her ability to make decisions about the upcoming rose ceremony. We cut to the guys. They're all in the common room. Blake doesn't know what to expect. He's prepping for what he calls the craziest thing possible. And then Joe, 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 Joe shows up. This is her audition to be the surrogate Dark Lord. This is where we see if she can fucking handle it. This is her first time on screen, alone, without the Dark Lord, performing his function. She says, I know you guys were getting ready for a cocktail party, but things have changed. There's still going to be a cocktail party, but not right away. The tension between Bennett and Noah has halted it. And Joe, 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 Joe says, Bennett, do you have something to say about that? And she forces Bennett and Noah to talk out their sides of the story. They kind of talk in circles and say nothing, both trying to downplay their animosity toward one another so that it can't be used against them. Joe, Joe, Joe keeps opening and clasping her hands during this whole thing. She does not know what to do with her hands here. She doesn't know how to host the show. It's immediate that this is not working out. She is no DLH. She's going to get through the lines that the producers have given her, but 
She's got no flair with them. And ultimately, she tells Noah and Bennett that they are going to be engaging in a truncated two-on-one battle for a single rose before the cocktail party proper commences that night. Bennett ITMs, I crush life under pressure, and we see him preparing a Kringle. And Noah ITMs that Bennett is slick, and he says there's no room for error. As Ed describes this as a battle royale, and Riley says, Bennett will go out guns blazing at the very least. So much gameplay talk here. Every one of these is just, it's a game, it's a game, it's a game, it's a game. I love when they put that shit in the show. And we get the two-on-one date, Noah versus Bennett. They're waiting for Tasha, and Bennett says, I got something for you here. He cringles Noah with a box, a wrapped box. Noah says, is that a war gift? Is this a, a term? I don't know. What is a war gift? No idea. Never heard of it myself. Bennett says it's a friendship gift. And in theory... This is actually a very good move because it's going to get mm-hmm. you screen time for sure. I even think it's a good move to have multiple gifts in the box that you have to explain because that's all going to be on TV. You're giving yourself a lot yeah. of screen time with this. They have to explain each object that's there. And so Bennett does just that. He opens it and he says the first gift is a friendship gift. It's a red bandana because they... Both experienced some cowboy days. Noah's from Oklahoma. I don't know what Bennett's cowboy days were, but the red symbolizes... He hopes there's no bad blood. (laughs) Taylor Swift bandana. (laughs) And then the next gift is a pair of socks with a mustache print. And he says, the only place you should wear mustaches on your feet. And he smiles. It's a funny joke. Noah returns a stone face. He is not laughing at this joke. (laughs) He returns the face that Taysha gave uh, Easy's LL3. (laughs) And then, of course, in probably the most important moment between these two guys, Bennett produces a book on emotional intelligence, and he says there are four components of emotional (laughs) intelligence, self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationship management. I think you are deficient in three of those four, he says. (laughs) Noah is correctly offended by this. (laughs) No shit. He says, I'll let you say your piece with your fake gifts. By the way... This reminded me of when my ex-boyfriend gave me a book on organizational tools for people with ADHD. I don't have ADHD. <laughs> it was a very strange gift. Oh, Although, God. to be honest, the book was helpful. <laughs> well, Bennett here tries to backpedal, and he tells him that he means this in earnest. It is not a slight at him in any way. He says, I didn't have emotional intelligence at your age either. And he says, this book will sincerely be helpful. He's not trying to belittle him. He's trying to, in quotes, love him up. They have a further fight where Noah says he's acted 100% himself. Bennett says, that's right, you have. Champion that and see how far it gets you. And Bennett tells Noah he's going to say the exact same things to Tasha when she shows up. And this ultimately is where the gift falls flat. When he pulls out that book and he has this moment where he's trying to say, no, I'm sincere. You just don't have emotional intelligence. It doesn't matter if you're sincere or not. That does come off as extremely condescending, which has been the complaint of not only Noah, but some of the other guys in the house have corroborated that complaint about Bennett. And now here it's coming to bear out. He does look like an asshole in this moment to the fullest. Also, it's physical receipts. Tasha's going to see that book. It's clear that it's passive aggressive. Bennett can't be like, no, I didn't give him that book. 
It's right there. And unfortunately, Bennett's strongest game is the fourth audience. It's us. We love Bennett. He's funny. He's getting on Jimmy Kimmel. He's doing. He's in Tyler Cameron fucking Instagram videos. We are who he's playing to. And in this moment, he has dashed all of the goodwill he's built with the fourth audience because we see this and we're like, this guy's a fucking dick. It started off so good. If he had just ended with the mustache socks, I would have been like, that is an amazing move. Even if he goes home, he's gone out with like this cute little like bury the hatchet moment. I would have been Team Bennett. I mean, I wouldn't because of the non-consensual kiss, but you know. The move in these situations, although this was not done on a two-on-one date, it was the right thing to have done and you just very rarely see it, but it was between Kaylin Miller Keys and Hannah Brown when they agree to bury the hatchet. The producers have built them into a rivalry from literally casting. They cast them together on the show specifically to fight. And once that starts to bubble up and it looks like they're going to be put head to head on something, Kaylin Miller Keys goes to Hannah Brown and they just squash it. They say, look, we're not going to be friends, but we don't have to be fucking enemies. We're here. Like, let's make the best of it. Yes, I agree. Yes, I agree. And they hug it out. That is exactly what Bennett should have done here. And I agree with you. It looked kind of like he was going down that road with this present. And then he pulls out the fucking book and it's just like, he just kicks him in the nuts. I mean, it would have helped him in his two-on-one time too. It would have given him a better chance of staying. For sure. These guys should have squashed it so that when Tasha shows up, they both say, look, we hear you loud and clear. And before you showed up, we worked this out. We just want to use this as a time for you to get to know each of us better and make your choice. Of course, that is your right to do. Beautiful. We don't want this to be about whatever drama we had was stupid. We get it. And that's done now. Instead, they get into a fucking argument right in front of her face. And she's like, uh, is this how you guys are behaving in the house? This is like petty high school shit. Yeah. She comes in. She immediately love level ones, both of them says, I like both of you says she's frustrated and says a nonsensical statement that they both can't stay this rivalry feels so manufactured it is a hundred percent hundred percent Tasha then says to bennett you realize you're questioning my integrity right when you say he's not going to wind up with me basically because she's already said she likes him the look on bennett's face is not great he knows he's now painted into a quarter he knows he's fucked up and the final thing we see in the main body of the document this week is Tasha sees the box on the table and says, what's in the box? That's off face. That line that she says is off face. We don't see Tasha say it. I'm using your new term now. Thanks. It's an homage, by the way, to a David Fincher movie called Seven starring Brad Pitt and Kevin Spacey. Don't know if you remember it. Do you ever see it? I don't think so. The premise is... Kevin Spacey is a serial killer who is doing a killing that represents each of the seven deadly sins. And hmm. the last one, Brad Pitt is the cop who's chasing him down. And the last one is Brad Pitt is out in the middle of nowhere and a box gets delivered to him. And he has Kevin Spacey with a gun to his head, basically. And he's like going to kill him. And Kevin Spacey's there and he's like, do it. You know you want to kill me. The last sin is uh, rage or anger or something like that, whatever that one is. Mm. And a box shows up and Brad Pitt looks at the box and looks at Kevin Spacey and Kevin Spacey's like, go ahead, open it. And you know something bad's in there. And Brad Pitt goes, what's in the box? What's in the box? <laughs> so here Tasha is reprising the Brad Pitt line. Oh, I thought you were explaining off face. <laughs> but that's it 
We end on an homage to a David Fincher serial killer movie in our love story tonight. And next week, we see that the guys are going to have to take lie detector tests. Zach C. looks like he's cheated before. Love it. Brendan is scared to propose in this shortened time frame. Riley might have a dark secret, and there are tears in the shadows. Someone is crying. We don't know who it is. Amazing episode. You know, I thought we were going to come down off this high off of Ivan's Black Lives Matter one-on-one date last week, but the Blitzkrieg of PTCs in this episode, I greatly enjoyed. Fantastic group date. I do still want to see Mr. La Quinta, but who knows? Maybe that'll come up later. Congratulations to Ben, because he was my... M M M M V P. We've gone into it already. He had this combo play, your play of the game, the voluntary nudity play, my play of the game, his P- ultimate PTC in the PTC games. Just a fantastic, subtle strategy. This episode I loved. He was, for me, neck and neck. I had a different MVP, but I agree with you. Ooh. What he did was such a high-level play. It was astonishing to me because I didn't think anybody in the season actually was capable of a play like that. And then he did it. I don't know if he was calculating. I don't know if he was aware of how hard it was or if he just did it through natural instinct. But whatever the case, he definitely went above and beyond. And he was doing shit that these other guys don't have a chance to beat if he can continue this style of play with this level of skill i don't see anyone beating him that said this week zach c was my m m m m m v p maybe his overall play didn't have the same degree of difficulty. What Ben had to do was basically face down a room full of other people. That's hard to fucking do to get that group rose. Getting a group date rose is always harder than getting a one-on-one rose, for sure. But the artistry of Zaxi's PTC is better than every painting in that room that Ben was standing in naked. (laughs) I've never seen... A PTC that beautifully crafted, that beautifully executed, the length of it, the causal nature, the chaining of multiple PTCs into one large PTC, the turn at the very end, and this is what I learned from it. It was just so fucking expertly done, Mm -hmm. and we've never seen a PTC that big. A quintuple PTC, we've never seen it. It is literally a groundbreaking play. No, it's historical. So- For that reason, I gave him my MVP, but I agree with you. Ben's play was just fucking outstanding. We really are seeing stuff now that, and I don't know if it's because of the truncated nature of the season that everybody feels like they have to play their PTC because there's only a couple weeks left. I don't know what this next rose ceremony is going to hold for us, but I assume like 10 guys are getting cut and there's going to be two left because the show's almost over. Yeah. If anybody knows when the show ends, let us know. (laughs) But whatever the case, tonight's episode was fantastic. I think I still like last week's a little better in terms of what it contributed to the history of the game. Yes. But I'm never going to forget Zaxi's PTC play. 
Or Ben's nudity play, honestly. This is one of the best voluntary nudity plays we've ever seen. Ben's voluntary nudity. Zach's quintuple PTC. Blake Moyne's clay penis. <laughs> Ben's bulimia PTC. And the return of Franco LaCosta, all the way from season 21. <laughs> this episode had so much. It even had... By the way, I did not recognize him. Clues did. <laughs> immediately. I was Hello. like, wait a minute. They've done this date before. And then immediately I saw him wearing shorts and I was like, I'm pretty sure the guy on Nick Vial's season wore shorts too. That can't be the same guy. And I Googled it, the same fucking guy. <laughs> but even beyond that, we also had Joe, 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 come in to try and take DLH's spot. Now that failed miserably, but it's still historic. Yeah. We've never seen it before. This week's game just was, it was a feast. So we thank you all for joining us to dine on this feast. And we hope you will come back next week. And as always, we thank you for the tids. A lot of good tids floating around this week. We will be covering all of them on Friday's show, This Week in Bachelor Nation, where we're going to go through all the news, the parasocial plays, the screams from the pit. And we'll be talking, of course, about the state of the world. There was some interesting stuff happening. State of the world is not yet set in stone, though. Two more days left. Other things could happen. Yeah, state of the worlds during COVID are pretty interesting. And, of course, if you have not checked out our Patreon yet, please feel free to do so. We put an episode up on Monday that is one of our best. It is the top 10 things we learned from the Hyperbinge. It's about an hour and a half long. I'm not sure how much content we have in our Patreon now. Many, many hours. Well over 10, I would say, of various extra podcast episodes, some video interviews, weird little songs that I've made or that I've found some in the pit. Photos. Some squirrel photos. All kinds of stuff. And we're going to be... That I made, I found. And we're going to be putting more stuff up there kind of constantly i have some ideas for videos i want to start making about the history of the game the first one is going to be a complete history of the limo exit where i'm going to have footage from all the historical limo exits starting way back from season one all the way up to the iconic ones that we now have like jojo joe jojo joe joe joe's exit in the unicorn mask, one of the most iconic trick-or-treats, aka tots of all time. So be on the lookout for that. And of course, as always, thank you so much for the reviews and the mentions of Game of Roses podcasts to our favorite podcast, Clickbait. We are going to get on Clickbait. All we have to do is remain diligent in our efforts. And we might as well add Lauren Zima's podcast to that list at this point as well. Relationing? I think it's called Relating. Relations. Relating, I think. Relating. (laughs) She had to change the name. There was some controversy. I think it's called Relating now. Hashtag get gore on clickbait. Hashtag get gore on relating. Hashtag get gore in the White House. Pass. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you to everyone who has rated and reviewed us on Apple Podcasts and subscribed to the podcast. The ratings and reviews help other people find it. And... We are also greatly entertained by reading them. Clues post a lot of them on Instagram, including the one-star ones, which are often entertaining as well. (laughs) I have been slacking on Instagram this week because we were putting out a lot of podcast material and I was learning live streaming software. So just know that I did not do a meme this week because I was making the podcast better. (laughs) 
But I will have memes this week. That is a guaranteed fucking tea. I miss them. And of course, before we go, as always, what is the dwab at? It has been 6,827 days without a black bachelor. Praise be. Do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> and Lord Harrison. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I, I saw that in... Um three body problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by get this 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact, mm. they have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven day routine tighter skin or your money back get a 15 percent discount code by using the discount code game that's fiber skincare sweaters candles the dreaded bathrobe unfortunately mother's day gifts can be a little predictable and boring that's why an aura frame is the perfect gift to mix things up this year it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. My mom loves hers. I'm throwing pictures of Skabuli and our cat up there. She's laughing. She's texting me. He's so cute. I wish I could meet him. Cute. It's the next best thing to, to meeting my cat, really. You know, I love that it was so easy to set it up. I've recently learned I'm not good at uh, building things. And I need an easy install. And oh. this only takes about two minutes to set up the frame using the Aura app. Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected, come with unlimited storage, so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. She'll be grateful it's not another sweater, and she'll love the frame to see more of you. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A, frames.com. 
Use code ROSES at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. warbyparker.com covered.